Hey everyone, I'm Blake Atwell and welcome into the Blake Show NBA betting podcast coming to you nationally on TuneIn Believe Betting Radio, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts, the show where we talk all things NBA and NBA bets. On today's show, we're going to focus on the Los Angeles Lakers. What are the Lakers' current odds on DraftKings to make the playoffs and what shot do they have with LeBron James? Let's discuss. So on DraftKings, as of today, which is March 4th, the Lakers are plus 210 to make the playoffs and minus 270 to miss the playoffs. Playoffs is six seat or higher. The play-in doesn't factor into these odds, just for clarification. And after a close loss to Minnesota last night, we look at the Lakers. They're 30 and 34, 11th in the Western Conference, three games back of the Dallas Mavericks in the sixth seat. Before we talk any further about the other teams that are ahead of LA, not only in the playoff race, but in the play-in race, I want to stop right here and just say that I do not think the Lakers are reaching the sixth seed. Even before LeBron James got injured, reaching the sixth seed was going to be a monumental task for this version of the Lakers. And I think now that he's out, unfortunately for LA, it is an impossible task. And the sad thing about getting to that sixth spot or even higher for these new look Lakers is that they are a really good team. The way that the roster is constructed uh, post trading deadline, they're not that far off from contending when fully healthy. I think even if you add D'Angelo Russell to the floor last night, even though LeBron wasn't available, I say that they win that game against Minnesota in what was an absolute must win in terms of getting to that sixth spot, which I know, as they have said, as Coach Darvin Ham has said, and the players have said, coming out of the All-Star break really is the team goal. And I would say in a world where LeBron and Russell, uh, D'Angelo Russell, were out there, I think there's a legitimate talent gap between teams like the Timberwolves and kind of this like play-in range and the Lakers because they're deep. They have kind of the the two-star model that is very popular in today's NBA amongst the best teams with a bunch of really good role players that do their jobs extremely well, much like the 2020 Lakers championship team. And I think I'm saying all this because when this roster is fully healthy, I'd argue that this Lakers team would be a lock to finish sixth or higher, even with how poorly the season went uh, before that all-star break and, and the trading deadline. But that's not the reality that we're living in for the Lakers. Similarly to the end of Kobe Bryant's career, the Lakers played their superstar 1A option literally into the ground just to kind of keep themselves above water to compete for a play-in spot. In this case, back then it was just the playoffs, of course. <laughs> and as great as LeBron is, and I think as masterfully as he is at taking care of his body compared to any professional athlete we've really ever seen in any sport, I think it was always unrealistic for him at age 38 to play what he called the most important 23 games of his career, playing all of those games. And LeBron, he had to put his foot on the gas for the entire first half of the season just to keep the Lakers within striking distance of a playing spot, let alone a playoff spot. And he did, but what was the cost? The cost was everything. It costs, you know, him to play this stretch of games. It really costs the Lakers another season, I think, of possible contention when we look at the way that last season went and then even the season prior, the 2021 season when they were trying to repeat their championship. And 
look, it cost them another year of this LeBron James, Anthony Davis, one, two punch where you have when Anthony Davis is playing his best, you really do have two top 10 NBA players on the same team. And I do think that the predicament that the Lakers find themselves in falls squarely on the shoulders of Rob Palenka. It's not Westbrook. It's not Darvin Ham. It's not Anthony Davis. I think that Rob Palenka is the culprit here. And here's why. On one of our first shows back in December, I talked about how the Lakers roster made no sense. (laughs) It was two guards heavy in a wings league. And I want to emphasize that the NBA is a wings league and the Lakers front office didn't pull the trigger on that buddy healed miles Turner Pacers trade before the season that has been talked about so much across the media landscape. And I think more than when you look at it from a player by player perspective, just in terms of roster balance and having a competent modern balanced roster in today's NBA, that trade would have done that for the Lakers. If you look back at, at the way that the team was at the start of the season, and even as they started the season two and 10, you had a log jam at the guard position. You had Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves. And when LA made the Utah trade, the first Utah trade back in the summer, when they sent Taylor Horton Tucker out for Patrick Beverly, I really do think that the entire league was expecting a Russell Westbrook trade to be imminent. But instead, the Lakers made no moves to balance out the roster. And then Rob Palenka talks to the media on media day and calls it a guards league, <laughs> the NBA. And I don't really know what league he was watching, but not the NBA because <laughs> the NBA is a wings league. It's been a wings league since really the Lakers won the championship, which is so funny when you think about it, because if we go back to that 2020 team, that prior summer, they really were going after Kawhi Leonard to sort of build a three-star model, which up to that point had been sort of what had won championships um, with exception of the the Raptors who had won the championship, you know, the year before. Um, And they sort of didn't get Kawhi Leonard and then ended up spending that money on a bevy of role players and in in a way i think mainly because they were able to get months of rest with that pandemic break that they had end up winning a championship and despite that working in the year since they've sort of gone away from that and last year they tried to sort of put a lot of older playmakers around lebron and anthony davis guys that are past their primes, Russell Westbrook being one of them, and it didn't work. Um, And they essentially, you know, they bring back the nucleus of that team for this season, and they don't really address the problem they went into the summer with, which was sort of an imbalanced roster that had too many guards. They brought in another guard in Patrick Beverly, and I know that Talon Horton Tucker, you know, was a rotation player, but on this year's team probably wouldn't have gotten as many minutes just because of the way that his progression was sort of going as a player with the Lakers. Um, And Patrick Beverly was expected. You knew when they traded for him, he was going to play major minutes. He was probably going to start defend the other team's best player. The Lakers also said around media that they viewed Patrick Beverly as, as a three and D wing, which is just too small. The guy's like, (laughs) you know, he's not six, five. So expecting him to guard the best wings in the league and then you're running these three guard lineups with Russ and Schroeder and Pat Bev or Reeves and Schroeder and Russ or whatever the combinations were, you have sort of how the Lakers started the season, which is a two intense start 
with a guards league roster. <laughs> um, and that slow start to the season is why they're not going to make the playoffs outright. In my opinion, if you erase that two and 10 start, or you go five and five, six and four, I think even without LeBron James, this Laker team, and even the, the Laker team before the deadline, um, you know, you combine that with the moves that they've, they've make looking back at it in hindsight, I think that they would have been able to finish six kind of without a doubt, even with LeBron getting injured, just because they're probably in the top five or six pretty much this whole time. If they start the season like five and five, because they played better basketball really after that stretch. And now they're playing even better basketball because they have a balanced roster. Um, but that's not the case. And look, when we sort of reflect back on the way that the first half of the season went, Russell Westbrook's tenure with the Lakers, I think that the first season, him and Frank Vogel really clashed heads a lot and it just didn't work. Then they bring in Darvin Ham. They sort of are, are getting along, at least on the outside looking in. That's kind of what it looks like. And Russ really did everything that was asked of him. He embraced a bench role. He played well. And I know the Lakers did lose some crucial games early in the season. I'm thinking of that Portland game in particular in the first uh, couple games of the season, uh, the Clippers game, uh, their second game of the season, th they could have won. And you could argue that if they had somebody uh, on the floor like a D'Angelo Russell or maybe a knockdown shooter like a Malik Beasley or a high-energy guy like Vanderbilt in place of a Russ, maybe they win those games. Um, but I do not think that it's fair to, to say that Russell Westbrook is the sole reason that the team started to intend and was not in the play-in picture during the All-Star break. Was he part of it? For sure. But what really killed the Lakers back then and, and last season too really was overall roster construction. Uh, no shooting around LeBron and AD, which again, it just blows my mind that they sort of stumble into the model of having two stars, a bunch of really good role players, which is what the Raptors did in 19, what the Bucks did in 21, what the Warriors had last year, <laughs> and probably whoever wins it this year, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, whoever may win it, you know, the Phoenix Suns, like you have these teams that really do have these two-star players and they have a bunch of other really good role players that complement those two stars. And they went away from that model. And this season was no different uh, at the start of the season. When you look at, at the roster, again, sort of, like I said, with the no shooting, no three and D wings to defend any of really the the wings that you have to defend in the, in the Western and the Eastern conference around the league. And then no depth. And I think that's really what forced LeBron to play way too many minutes too often and then you're putting too much pressure on an injury-prone Anthony Davis to lead you to the promised land when LeBron isn't out there. Um, and obviously, AD has had his own injury issues continually. Um, but the one thing that you do have to say about Rob Palenka, when it all looked lost and the memes were flying around Twitter, get this guy out of here, Rob cooked. And you saw all those memes on Twitter, and they were well-deserved because I think that he pulled off the second-best trade at this year's deadline only behind the Kevin Durant Phoenix deal landing a couple of different things. They got a shooting point guard and D'Angelo Russell who fits perfectly next to LeBron and AD. I think that he really does what they wanted Russ to do when they brought Russ in, which is, which is to be a, a playmaker um, who can take some of the pressure off of LeBron James. And you saw in that game where they all played together against the Warriors and the Lakers won in convincing fashion that that, you know, was really the case. Um, and then he's also a really good shooter. So he can play off the ball and knock down open threes. Um, so you have, you have that, then you're able to add a laser three point shooter, uh, who LeBron James talked about the team, not having in Malik Beasley. 
And then third, you add one of the hardest playing best young defenders in the league in Jared Vanderbilt, who is on a great team control contract for the next few seasons. And then lastly, you add front court depth in Mobamba to bolster the big man rotation. And in landing all of this, Rob only gave up one first rounder and a disgruntled Russell Westbrook. There's no doubt about that. Um, who didn't fit with this version of the Lakers. And I think, look, you know, the Clippers, they, they haven't won a game since they brought in Russ, but he's, he might be the scapegoat because they're not winning games, but he's not the reason why he's been good for them. He's in a position where he's around a bunch of shooting. He's penetrating the basket, kicking it out to shooters. Um, so, you know, you have the good parts of Russ and you have the bad parts of Russ, which is, you know, in their, their game, the Clippers game last night to the Kings uh, pass goes through his hands, turnover, crucial part of the game. Clippers end up losing that game. Um, and those are just kind of the, the good and the bad you have to take with Russ. But, you know, I think ever expecting Russ to work with the Lakers on a team that had no shooting with, you know, LeBron James, I just don't think that Russ and LeBron gel as players at all. Um, so with that being said, Rob took this gamble, you know, by not making the Pacers trade before the season in hopes of landing a better package at the trade deadline, obviously. And that's exactly what he did. Russell, Vanderbilt, Beasley, and Bamba for Russ, Patrick Beverly, and one first. And I would argue that that is a better deal than Russ two firsts for Miles Turner, who was going to demand a big extension, which he ended up getting from Indiana. And then Buddy Heald, an expiring deal, you know, arguably best three-point shooter in the league. Um, but I do think that the trade that they did at the deadline is better than the trade that they could have done before the season. And props to Rob Polinka, Lakers front office for that. But what you have to acknowledge when you acknowledge that is that the sacrifice that they made and waiting so long to balance out the roster, I think was really sort of the cost that they, that they gave up was a, was a, a shot at competing for a title this season, or even I think competing uh, just to, really earn a spot in the Western conference finals. Um, the likelihood of LeBron suffering a significant injury probably is severely less with a balanced roster. And I'm honestly willing to bet that the Lakers would probably be seventh or higher right now. Um, if they had LeBron, AD Turner and heel to sort of the core of their team, let's say they make some additional moves like they did at the deadline. And I think that this team could have made a Western conference finals push um, so I think it's important to look at sort of both sides, what is the reality and also what the hypothetical could have been had they made that trade at the beginning of the season. So look, the reality of the Lakers situation is complicated. And I think the trade that they made and the roster that they have now in reality is a better fit for the second half of this season and for next season, you know, the opportunity cost was now you don't have LeBron for the stretch run. And because of that, I just don't think that there is enough time left in the season for the Lakers to really max out what they have with the roster. And in the multiverse scenario <laughs> of the Lakers doing the Pacers trade, um, I think what that trade would have done, it would have allowed you, if you're the Lakers, to, to avoid ever really being near the bottom of the West. And again, you're likely lowering the injury risk, not only for LeBron, but also for Anthony Davis. Um, with all that being said, I do think that the ceiling of this LeBron James list the Lakers team is a hard fought first round exit. And just looking at it sort of from a, a candid, realistic perspective, Lakers have 18 games left. 10 of them are against teams that are ahead of them in the standings. And I think you look at how good 
the top six teams in the West are looking with Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Golden State, and then Dallas, who got a big win over Philly the other night. I think that the Lakers probably need to go at least seven and three, eight and two in those 10 games to sniff sixth. And then even then you're really, really hoping that some of these teams start losing games down the stretch. And it's not like anybody is in selling mode. Everybody, all these teams that are ahead of them are trying to win games. Uh, Maybe except for the Utah jazz, really the only team, (laughs) but they keep winning. So, and I just think winning at that clip without LeBron James um, is too much to ask for this version of the Lakers with Anthony Davis really as your one option. Um, and look, you also can't look at it as like, oh, the Lakers are going to have Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell for all of those games or even Shooter who messed up his ankle because Darvin Ham contradicted himself by sitting Anthony Davis. He had said uh, literally like a week ago that he expected AD to play in every back-to-back the rest of the season. Um, then they say before the OKC game, they're sitting AD and then it was planned. Um, in a back-to-back game where Anthony Davis was reportedly fully healthy. And that was really a must-win game versus the Thunder. The Lakers, lucky enough for them, are able to still get the win. Um, Now, assuming that, you know, that Anthony Davis doesn't play all of those 18 games, but let's say he plays the majority of them, I say a solid prediction for this Lakers team is to definitely make the play-in tournament and to reach the eighth seed. And let's say that the Lakers stay in eighth, after the play-in tournament, and they earn a matchup with the Denver Nuggets in the first round, if LeBron James comes back in time and plays at full strength, I think the Lakers are pushing that series to six or seven games, but I wouldn't bet on them winning that series. So let's say LA, the the sort of end results of this season with the what-ifs, the ifs, the ands, and the buts is that they're out in the first round. In my opinion, at that point, we would need to see how next season plays out before we really look bad back and fully judge Rob Palenka's decision to not make the Pacers trade uh, before this season. And on paper, I think if LA extends D'Angelo Russell and retains most of this year's depth, I would project the Lakers to be a top four seed in the West next season and contend for a title if they are able to have LeBron playing at the level that he's playing right now at age 39 and Anthony Davis uh, not, you know, with any major nagging injuries. And, I think if the Lakers do make a deep run in the 2024 playoffs, I I think you could look back and say that the decision to not make the Pacers trade wait till the deadline this season would be worth it. Um, however, on the other side, if the Lakers struggle next season, if they deal with more injury problems, they get bounced early from the playoffs. I think you would have to look back at this season sequence of events and call it a massive failure by the Lakers front office. Uh, because, I think at the end of the day, if you're the Lakers, you have this window where you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I think that you really, you know, the good and the bad that's happened up to this point, you have a championship to show for it. You want to maximize the potential of what you have left, because I know that LeBron is going to be out for the rest of the regular season, probably going to come back for the playoffs. He's not showing any signs of slowing down. You know, you can argue and say, okay, maybe these injuries are going to start popping up more for him, but the way that he plays, um, and the way that he sort of protects his body, especially now, assuming the Lakers are going to have this sort of like deep, versatile, younger team next season built around him. I don't think that that that's a safe bet to say that LeBron is going to be inconsistent or won't be able to stay on the floor. I think if anything, he's going to play more games next season at age 38 and 39 um, because of the depth that the Lakers have around him. Um, 
So when you look at the LeBron Anthony Davis era, I'd say it's a mixed bag so far. You got a championship, you got a really bad trade, maybe one of the worst trades in NBA history uh, that they made in blowing up sort of the the depth of that championship group to bring in Westbrook. Um, but I do think keeping this new core together for the next few seasons could change that narrative. And with that, we have ourselves a show for today. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Blake on social, and I will see you on the next Blake show.